0: Hey, this is Ricky Jones with uh, another episode of our podcast, From Sunday to Monday. And usually in this podcast, we like to just sit and talk about theology or the sermon from Sunday and about how you can make that applicable uh, to your everyday work, week, and life. But this is a special week. Uh, Actually, I just learned, Raul, uh, that today is a special day. Did you know that today has a special name? No. So uh, Thanksgiving Day is Thanksgiving, obviously. And then Friday after Thanksgiving is Black Friday. And then somewhere along the line, the Monday after Thanksgiving became known as Cyber Monday. (laughs) And now, I think in the last couple of years, I, I didn't know this until this morning, but my inbox was just inundated with emails informing me that today was Giving Tuesday. So this is Giving Tuesday, a special Giving Tuesday edition uh, from Sunday to Monday, and uh, so I brought in a good friend of mine, Raul Bermudez. How long have we been friends now?
1: Uh, seven years? Seven, years, seven, eight
0: years? yeah. Raul uh, was a, is a church planner here in Tulsa that we rescued from the Baptist Church. <laughs> Just kidding. We did recruit him from the Baptist Church, and he is now planning a Presbyterian church that uh, reaches out to Hispanics and Latinos and uh, preaches in Spanish. Raul grew up in Puerto Rico and
1: Fort Worth. How old were you when you moved to Fort Worth? Um, About 13 when I moved to Fort Worth. Okay.
0: So I spent half his life in uh, Puerto Rico and half in Fort Worth uh, and then went into the Marines. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Did my stint in the Marines and um, when I got out, went off to Bible college and then seminary.
0: Yeah. So now in the ministry. So he's kind of been all over and he's just a, a, a tremendous guy. I'm very thankful to know him. And today, specifically, we are going to talk about uh, a special ministry that he has in Cuba. He has um, gotten, through God's providence, a, uh, a passport, not a passport, it's called visa, a missionary visa. Yeah. And uh, it goes to Cuba four times a year, taking missionary teams, and now has the opportunity to start a house church in Cuba. So we're just going to talk through that. And I think you'll be, uh, you out there in radio land, will be just as uh, fascinated and interested uh, in this story as I am. So Raul, tell me a little bit, first of all, just how, why Cuba? how did
1: you get interested in Cuba? Well, uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, we have a lot of similarities with, with the Cubans, um, particularly with our history and struggle against Spain. And um, even our flags look almost identical. Hmm. So we share a lot of the heroes and a lot of the, a lot of the history and the music and all that, and the uh, and also the food. Yeah. Uh, so I always had this interest in Cuban music and Cuban folklore and all that. And uh, when I became a Christian, God kind of used that to attract me to, uh, to serve the Cuban people. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up listening to the music, uh, eating the same food. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I graduated from Bible college, I... I tried to go as a missionary, um, but the visa was declined. Um, hmm. At that point, relations between the United States and Cuba weren't as good as they are today. And so um, I, I wasn't able to go as a missionary. Yeah. So how did God first arrest
0: your heart and really draw, draw you to the Cuban people?
1: Yeah, when I was in Bible college, um, I, had a, I had a friend named Juan. And Juan and I delivered pizzas together. Hmm. You know, so that's that's how I got through Bible college. And uh, and Juan was from Cuba, and he told me a story of how he had spent uh, 20 years in a in the Cuban prison. No. And and I asked him why, and he said for for killing a cow and, and feeding my family. What? Yeah, and at first I didn't believe him because it's hard for me, you know. I grew up in the country in Puerto Rico, and, you know, we, we killed cows all the time and slaughtered them to, to eat. And uh, so at first I didn't believe him, and, and I— did some digging, and yeah, in Cuba it's illegal to, to slaughter a cow because um, they all belong to the state. Mm. So um, his, his story was feasible. So he, he started telling me about how he got on the raft, spent three days and four nights in the middle of the ocean mm. um, just to make it to freedom. And uh, that, that really tugged at my heart because yeah. I could sense and hear the desperation in his story and in his voice. And as a Christian, you know, um, you want to give people hope. Yeah. And we know that our hope is in Christ. And um, uh, it, just, it just opened up a whole new world to me.
0: Yeah. It's hard. As an, as an American, it is just hard to put my mind around, wrap my mind around people living under that kind of oppression where they are willing to risk their lives to get away from their country
1: yeah we take our freedom for granted, that's for sure, yeah, um when we're hungry, we just go to the grocery store and pick up whatever we need um and you know we have the freedom to say anything we want about our leaders or our congressmen or whatever disagree mm-hmm. and and still have a civil society there you you don't have the right to disagree mm. you, you don't have the right to voice your opinion, wow. Well, man, that
0: uh, makes it clear why you would want to go there. Now, you said you, you, when you first applied for a missionary visa, you were turned down. So how did you get the opportunity that you have now?
1: Yeah, several years later, um, I was able to—I got an invitation to go with a uh, baseball ministry team. Yeah. And uh, River Oaks was kind enough to to support me in that and send me. And um, when I went down there, I made instant friendships, you know, since both cultures, Puerto Rico and Cuba, are, are so similar— and so close, and we share a lot of, of history together. Um, I just, you know, fell in love with the people, and you know, we had a great friendship. And one of those key friendships was someone who was able to grant me religious visa. Yeah. To come to Cuba as many times as they. Now, could. this is a
0: funny story. You told me this story before. I want you to share it. Now, how you had a little bit of a conflict with an evangelist? Is that right? Or yeah. Tell a little mm-hmm. bit about it. Tell the, tell about the baseball equipment. That's well, we had story.
1: some baseball equipment that we had brought down, you mm-hmm. know, and some of it he had raised and <clears throat> brought with him, and some some of it we had supplied. And our understanding going down there was that baseball equipment was going to go to the house churches for evangelism. Yeah, so the kids couldn't come and, and play baseball. You know, uh, baseball equipment is very expensive. Yeah. So and, and Cubans are crazy about baseball. Baseball is king in Cuba. Okay, I mean, that there's no second. You know, baseball is it. So uh, we had a, agreed to give this baseball equipment to, to the kids at the house churches. And in one of the games, um, there, were, there were some people from, from high up in the, in the government. Mm-hmm. They were playing baseball. It was all very, very nicely done. I mm-hmm. mean, um, they didn't behave badly. But the gentleman who brought the equipment w- with them um, gave the equipment to, to the state and not um. to, the, to the church. So that I didn't sit well with you. No, it did not sit well with me. I, I took the equipment away and took it back to the house church. And <laughs> we got it to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> for those of y'all who've
0: never met Raul, he, uh, he's a big fella. So he just kind of does what he wants <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> and so that, that impressed the, uh, the people over there and they decided to give you the visa.
1: Is that kind of how it went? Yeah. Well, you know, in Cuba, no Cubans in Cuba have nobody to stick up for them. Mm. You know, they, they don't, Really have a voice, so when they see someone go the extra mile and stick up for them, and it speaks to them. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you got your visa. That's that's how I got my visas. <laughs> what, what have you been doing since? How? What does that mean that you have a visa? Well, that means that I can go into Cuba every three months, four times a year. Maybe I could try to go more. I've just haven't tried. You know, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, with the responsibilities of the churches it wouldn't be wouldn't be feasible. But anyway. I go four times a year and we get pastors and leaders from house churches together and we provide them good reformed theology. Mm. So what's the theology like over there now? Uh, it's it's kind of a mess, mm. to be honest. Um, the Caribbean, but particularly Cuba, is uh, inundated with Santa Ria and voodoo and, and mm. all that kind of stuff. So you have a lot of this folk, Religion, mm-hmm. and it's really the only recognized religion to Q, in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So when Christianity got there, particularly Pentecostalism, they just kind of added that to their uh-huh. already you know existing system of beliefs. And um, it, it's not it's not a viable Christian religion yeah. as, as we would as we would identify it or see it. And what about what about the liberation kind of gospel? Is
0: that Is that strong there, or is it just nothing?
1: Liberation theology is is fairly strong there, particularly because Fidel, back in the early 90s, he wrote a book called uh, Fidel y la Religión, which is Fidel and Religion, Hmm. and it's really his um, acceptance of liberation theology. So explain what that is to people who have never heard of liberation theology. Well, from my point of view, liberation theology is basically Christian communism. Hmm. Um, Hmm. You know, if, if there are poor somewhere... And I've got an AK-47. Then I should support revolution and to be able to feed the the poor. Mm. Um, I think it's a violent theology, mm. and I think it's proven so in Latin America, mm. particularly in, in uh, uh, Nicaragua and uh, in Ecuador. Hmm. So it's basically saying that Jesus was a revolutionary,
0: and you should be too.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's more of a social move, social political movement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what um, the big news this week from from Cuba is that Fidel has, has passed away. He's dead now. Is that a good thing? What do you what, what do you foresee? Is the obviously you're not a prophet, but what do you uh,
1: what do you foresee is the changes over there? Well, I think first of all, as Christians, we don't we don't celebrate anybody's death. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it's that'd be counterproductive. Um, but we did see a lot of Cubans celebrate Fidel's death, and, yeah. and, and you know, we might lose track of or side of why they did that, we have to remember that within within the first years of the revolution, you know, he had thousands of people shot. Mm. Um, he took thousands of people's homes. He split up families. I mean, mm-hmm. it was not a good thing. And for years, you know, these people have lived with that pain and that uncertainty of when is, are uh, going to have justice? So yeah. when Fidel died, uh, for a lot of these guys, it was it was justice. Yeah, it was uh, justice was long t- long due, long overdue. So I think what this means for Cuba, uh, we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, particularly uh, with Raul being in power. Yeah, um, Raul's a little bit more bloodthirsty hmm. than, than Fidel. He kind of glorifies war and that hmm. sort of thing. And uh, he doesn't have the respect that Fidel does or did in in the island. Um, So Cubans are kind of living in the what's next. Wow. We really don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear about uh, Raul Castro. I uh, I don't know anything about him, of course. And I think a lot of people in America just kind of assume that everything's going to get better now. Um, not really understanding what it's like for a nation like that to go through instability. Transitions are often really bloody and, and can be extremely dangerous times. Yeah, particularly in Latin America. Yeah. We don't have a history of uh, peaceful transitions. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should be thankful for uh, for elections to go well, really. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one, one or two people getting beaten up beaten up in a polling place is uh, huge news in America, which is or the United States. Latin America is also America. There you go. <laughs> trying to learn trying to learn well what was it like uh how, how did talk a little bit about castro fidel castro and, and the church in, in cuba how he kind of programmed christianity out of the culture and what it was like for pastors what what did he do
1: yeah um you know fidel castro was a true marxist and, and marxism is just absent of god they, they deny the existence of god they believe god is is the opiate of the people, mm. and um, so how do you how do you teach children atheism? Mm. Um, a very common story uh, in Cuba is um, when they're in the first grade, a uh, political officer comes into the classroom and asks all the kids to pray, mm. pray to God. He asks them to pray, it asks them to pray. Yeah, pray to God and ask God for ice cream. And the political officer will, will taunt and say, "Come on." Please ask God for ice cream, and somebody will ultimately get up and, and ask God for ice cream, and of course nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then the political officer says, "Now ask Fidel Castro and the revolution for ice cream," and as soon as the kid does, in comes in the ice cream, uh-huh. and the political officer says, "See, see, there is no God, only revolution." Wow, that's that's pretty sinister when you think about it. Yeah, and, t- and
0: they start right there in first grade, just combating right. right there.
1: Yeah, that's that was. Um, it was a common story. I'm not sure if it's still yeah. that way today. Yeah. But certainly, on from the onset of the revolution, that's that's the way it was.
0: Wow. Using ice cream to convince people that God doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. I mean, even it was even uh, uh, pastors for a time were prohibited from preaching. Really? Yeah. I've got a good friend of mine, Hector, who uh, who was removed from his pulpit on Sunday morning and taken to a sugarcane plantation for several years. Now you mean like kidnapped? No, not kidnapped. Arrested. 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 Wow, for being a pastor. This is in the '60s, yeah, early '60s, um, where they were trying to eradicate religion um, in Cuba. So, um, you know, this pastor, along with many priests and other clergy, were taken to uh, sugarcane plantations and cut sugarcane for several years. Wow, as a and- means to discourage them from from preaching. Or being pastor. So how long was he? Uh, was this like a concentration camp? It was. It was a concentration camp. Um, wow. All he did was was work there. Um, didn't see his family for about I think it was three years. Wow. And he was there for five. He was there uh, for five years. That's unbelievable. And then, uh, so then, what happened to him? Uh, he he got out and um, he continued to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, got back to his congregation of about eight or nine. Eight or nine five.
0: people. Eight wow. or nine
1: people and um in the 80s uh with uh pope john paul ii visiting cuba things uh eased up a bit and his congregation grew to 20s 30s something wow. somewhere in there so yeah. he faithfully pastored a congregation of eight people for 20 years yeah he has been a, the same he's been the pastor of the same congregation for 40 years wow yeah. and um with the fall of the soviet union he saw his congregation um go over 100, mm-hmm. and now with the uh, the new freedoms that they're, they're allowing, um, he's got a little bit over 300 at his church. So is that is that an awakening, would you say, or is that people
0: just finally not being afraid to assemble in, in public? What?
1: Well, I think what, what happens in Cuba is you have the, the older generation mm-hmm. that grew up with Fidel and fought for, with Fidel, um, you'll talk to them about God, and they'll come out and tell you, that said, no, Fidel's my God. Wow. I've had pe- several people tell me that. Wow. Um, the younger generation— um, And you think they believe that. That's not just them saying, speaking out of fear. Yeah, they they literally believe that Fidel saved them because he gave them health care, and he gave them education. Wow. And uh, he took uh, Batista, who was a dictator, mm-hmm. uh, out of office. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so they, they do see Fidel as a savior. Yeah. Uh, the younger generation, I mean, those that are 50 and younger, mm-hmm. um, they, they get tired of the lies, you know, yeah. communism has promised so much and delivered so little, mm. uh, to the point of if communism says there's no God, a lot of young people say that there has to be a God. Huh. So they've lied to me about everything else. Wow. So.
0: That is, uh, that's fascinating. All right. So, uh. So, what's your opportunity here? What, what, what? Why now? What? What, are, what, are you, what are you? What's your vision? What are you? What's your
1: opportunity in, in Cuba? Yeah, well, for the past five years, we've been training pastors working mm-hmm. alongside Cuban churches.
0: And so you kind of use these baseball outreaches and things to do baseball
1: that? outreach. We've done medical clinics in, okay. uh, in Havana and Baracoa. How many pastors have you networked with? A um, Little on, under hundred. hundred. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's throughout awesome. the island. Yeah. Um, And what we do, we provide theological training and uh, we help them with evangelism, Mm -hmm. uh, evangelism efforts. And what we're hoping to do is uh, just enable them to grow and reach their communities. As of right now, under the current constitution in Cuba, no more than 25 Cubans can congregate for worship. Really? Right. So the way around that is establishing many different house churches. Okay. Um, is that thriving? It is thriving. It is growing. And in Havana alone, they say there's over 10,000 house churches. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So, so is grew. that what
0: you want to do? Do you want to start a house church? Or?
1: Yeah, I would love to start a house church and a resource center mm-hmm. in Havana. And our hopes is to be, become like the uh, theological center for all these guys. Okay. Uh, so that uh, we can connect. And Havana is like, there's a saying in Cuba that Cuba is Havana and everything else is palm trees and coconuts. <laughs> so having, having a headquarters in Havana or a central meeting place in Havana uh, would be great. Okay. Um, and we're hoping that through this uh, center, people will be able to connect mm-hmm. and uh, get the training that they need um, and become a resource for their ministry and their lives. So your vision is not just
0: to have a house church, but to have a house seminary as well.
1: Yeah, house seminary. Uh, Also, uh, uh, an after-school feeding program for the neighborhood Mm -hmm. where the kids can come and and get food and get nourished and hear the gospel. There you go. Maybe give them ice cream.
0: Yeah, maybe give them ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. That's a a great vision. How can we, uh, how can I, it's Giving Tuesday. How can I help this mission succeed? What
1: do you need to make this happen? Well, uh, the the three Ps, you know, pray, pay, participate. Okay. (laughs) So, of course, pray for us. Pray for the Cuban people, Mm -hmm. pray for the Cuban pastors, and then um, help us uh, economically. Yeah. You know, give towards this endeavor. What do you need? Uh, We need $50,000. $50,000. That
0: that doesn't sound like very much. I need a lot more than that to build a church here.
1: No, but with $50,000, dollars will get us a house and we'll be able to renovate it and have a good central place uh, for the Cuban people there. Well, you have the the workers there to renovate it? Oh, yeah. The, The work and the materials won't be a problem. Okay. Why is that? Um, so there's plenty of work in Cuba. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And then cement and rebarb and all that's easy to come by there. The government won't stand in your way or anything? No, because we're not building a standalone church. We're building and renovating a house. Okay. Okay. So.
0: Great. So is, uh, what's the, what's the name of your ministry? How can we give to this, this great effort at $50,000? We should have that raised by the end of the afternoon. <laughs> what, what, how, how do we give?
1: Uh, contact River Oaks okay River Oaks and they'll get uh, the ministry the money to, to Alma Cuba
0: all right so the way one way to do that is to uh, go to our website River Oaks and you'll see a click to give link there and uh, we'll have some other ways uh, for you to give as well uh, does Alma Cuba have a website no no website for Alma Cuba no yeah it's, it's best to keep I kind of stay under the radar screen. He's reaching to Cuba, huh? So if you give it, if you give, make a contribution to River Oaks and put Cuba on it. We promise we're not going to take any of Raul's money. I would never, I would never steal from this guy. He's bigger than I am, so I wouldn't steal from him if he was smaller than me. But uh, especially not, in case. Well, man, this has been a great 20 minutes. I think you've taught us a lot about Cuba. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you? you Anything you want to say? You have a wife who's Cuban?
1: Yeah, my wife's Cuban. Tell us about her a little bit. What was uh, her ministry experience? Yael Ling. Uh, she was a house leader for uh, church in Baracoa. Yeah. Two house churches in Baracoa. She had two house churches. Two house churches, yeah.
0: So, uh, does she? is she the preacher in the house? Does she, no. ever t- <laughs> does she ever tell you that she's a better preacher than you oh, are? Oh, she does say that. But
1: <laughs> she's not. <laughs> And you have two daughters who were born in Cuba. Yeah, we've got two daughters that were born in Cuba, Vasti um, and Ellis, and uh, they're, they're gorgeous girls. They are. They are special. Are they enjoying uh, America
0: and living in the suburbs of Tulsa? Oh, they love it. Yeah, they're yeah. they acclimated fairly quickly. <laughs> great. That's great. Well, thanks so much for listening to us for another uh, episode of From Sunday to Monday. I hope this has been informative to you. I've always been encouraging to see how the Lord has thrown open a door. In Cuba, and I hope you will prayerfully consider uh, how you can bless Raul and, and bless this effort. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.